Okay, I want to get into the book of Proverbs today, and uh, to do that, I want to start with a Bible Projects video and give you a summary of the book, so uh, they can do in a few minutes what takes me a long time, so count yourself blessed. Here we go. The book of Proverbs. The word proverb typically refers to a short, clever saying that offers some kind of wisdom, and this book has a lot of those. But they're almost all in the center section of the book, chapters 10 to 29. But there is way more going on in the book of Proverbs, especially at the beginning, chapters 1 through 9, and the conclusion, chapters 30 and 31. The book's been designed with an introduction, chapter 1, verses 1 through 9, and it first of all links this book to King Solomon. Now remember the story in 1 Kings chapter 3. Solomon had asked God for wisdom to lead Israel well. And so Solomon became known as the wisest man in the ancient world. And we're told in 1 Kings chapter 4 that he wrote thousands of proverbs and poems and collected knowledge about plants and animals. So Solomon was like the fountainhead of Israel's wisdom literature. So while not all the material in this book is written by him personally, he is where Israel's wisdom tradition began. The introduction says that by reading this book, you too can gain wisdom. Now wisdom for most of us means knowledge, but the Hebrew word chokhmah means much more than just mental activity. It refers to action also. So think skill or applied knowledge. This is why back in the book of Exodus, chapter 31, it was artists and craftsmen in Israel who were said to have chokhmah. So the purpose of this book is to help you develop a set of practical skills for living well in God's world. And this gets linked with another key idea in the introduction, the fear of the Lord. Now fear here is not about terror. It's about a healthy sense of reverence and awe for God and about my place in the universe. It's a moral mindset that recognizes I am not God and that I don't get to make up my own definitions of good and evil and right and wrong. Rather, I need to humble myself before God and embrace God's definition of right and wrong, even when that's inconvenient for me. Now this introduction leads us into the first main section of the book, chapters 1 through 9, which also doesn't contain short one-liner proverbs. Rather, what we find here are 10 speeches from a father to a son about how the son should listen to wisdom and cultivate the fear of the Lord and live accordingly, which means a life of virtue and integrity and generosity, all of which lead to success and peace. And the father warns his son also about folly and evil and stupid decisions that will breed selfishness and pride, all leading to ruin and shame. And so the son should make the pursuit of wisdom and the fear of the Lord his highest goal in life. And this way of thinking, it forms the moral logic of this entire book. Now these speeches from the father also clue us into what biblical wisdom literature is and how it's different from other parts of the Bible. These books explore how to live well in God's world, but wisdom is not the same as law, like what Moses gave Israel at Mount Sinai. And it's not the same as prophecy, divine speech to God's people. Rather, wisdom literature has the accumulated insight of God's people through the generations about how to live in a way that honors God and others. And so, through the book of Proverbs now, these human words about wisdom 
have been put together as God's word and wisdom to his people. Which connects to the other thing you find in chapters 1 through 9. There are four poems from Lady Wisdom. Here, wisdom has been poetically personified as a woman who calls out to humanity to pay attention and to seek her. Wisdom says that she is woven into the fabric of the universe, and so wherever you see people making wise decisions, they are relying on her. So you see someone being generous or having sexual integrity or upholding justice. They are drawing on wisdom. These Lady Wisdom poems, they're a creative, poetic way of exploring this idea that we live in God's moral universe and that goodness and justice are objective realities that we ignore to our own peril. And so fearing the Lord, living wisely, it's living along the grain of the universe. Now together, these two sets of speeches from the Father and Lady Wisdom, they make a powerful claim about this book, that you're not simply reading good advice, you're reading God's own invitation to learn wisdom from previous generations. And so in the next section of the book, chapters 10 through 29, we find hundreds of ancient proverbs, and they apply wisdom and the fear of the Lord to every life topic you could imagine. Family, work, neighborhood, friendship, sex, marriage, money, anger, forgiveness, alcohol, debt, everything. And these are all filtered through the value system of Proverbs 1 through 9. Now these Proverbs, they're all pretty short. They're easy to memorize. And actually this section of the book is meant to become a reference work that you return to time and time again throughout the years, which raises some important issues in learning how to read these Proverbs. First of all, Proverbs are by nature about probabilities. So you fear the Lord and you make wise, good choices things will likely go well for you. And if you don't fear the Lord, you're foolish, your life will likely not go so well. Now, that is all often true, but not always. Which leads to the next point, that Proverbs are not promises. They're not formulas for success. So, some Proverbs, for example. The fear of the Lord prolongs your life, but the years of the wicked are cut short. Or, train up a child in the way they should go, and when they're old, they won't turn from it. So yes, fearing God, being a moral person, will most likely lead to a better, longer life. And raising your kids in a stable, loving home does set them up well. But there are no guarantees. Lots of things can and often do go wrong in our world. And so lastly, Proverbs by nature focus on the general rule, but not the exceptions, which are many. And the wisdom books actually aren't ignorant of that. The exceptions are what the other wisdom books, Job and Ecclesiastes, are all about. And together, these acknowledge that life is too complex for simple formulas, which is why we need all of the wisdom books together to get the bigger picture. This all leads to the final section of the book, two large collections of poems. First, poems from a man named Agur, who begins by acknowledging his own ignorance and folly and his great need for God's wisdom. And then Agur discovers that divine wisdom has been given to him in the scriptures, which teach him how to live well. And so Agur is put before us as like a model reader of the book of Proverbs, somebody who's always open to hearing God's wisdom through the scriptures. The final poems are connected to a man named Lemuel. He's a non-Israelite king, and he passes on the wisdom that was given to him by his mom. It's guidance for being a wise and just leader. And then the final poem is an acrostic or an alphabet poem where each line begins with a new letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And the entire poem is about the woman of noble character. 
It depicts a woman who lives according to the wisdom of Proverbs and stands like a model of someone who takes God's wisdom and then translates it into practical decisions in everyday life, at work or at home, in her family and in her community. So the book opened with words from a father to a son about listening to Lady Wisdom, and so now the book closes by offering the words of a mother to her son about a woman who lives wisely. The book of Proverbs is for every person in every season of life. It's a guide for living wisely and well in God's good world. And that's what the book of Proverbs is all about. Bless the Lord, let's go home. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Proverbs has been a go-to book for me for years. I've mentioned that before. Um, just like the Lord's Prayer is for me in prayer, using it as a form. Uh, if I'm struggling with what to read or where to go for my next round of stuff, I often will run back to Proverbs and, and walk through it. And generally, you know, that... 31 chapters, one day a month, just take the date, and often that's what I'll do. Um, but I want to go and just look at some of it. The, as was mentioned, the first nine chapters are kind of this appeal to pursuing the wisdom of God. I want to take a look at the first one. We'll see how far we get today. Um, as was mentioned, it was written by Solomon. Then the next verses 2 through 6 give you five reasons as to why you should be participating in Proverbs and seeking the wisdom of God this way. And the, the verse 2 says, Learn wisdom and moral instruction to discern wise counsel. And the idea of wisdom in this case is applied life knowledge. So it's not just gathering factoids that have no value to you, but it's, it's gaining knowledge that's going to help you with life. And so it's it's... The idea is having, if you really have something that's of value in the way of wisdom, it's going to have some kind of application in life. It's not just this nebulous thought that has no bearing on you. And so again, you know, when we talk about, well, I want to be a wise person, it's not just the person that can regurgitate facts on a test but it's the person that can take whatever, say, is from that test and put it into life somehow. So that's, that's the idea. The, the instruction, I'm just going to go through a couple terms here. Uh, instruction is presented the idea of physical or parental discipline or chastisement. So again, you know, we're in an age where even any kind of punishment or chastisement is almost questions are challenged is that any good? You know, could, aren't you destroying the freedom of a mind and, and all of this and that? And, and yet, this is very specifically saying there is a time and a place for such things. And so with that also, it it's, uh, says this is also a form of warning. In other words, you know, sometimes telling people this is a really bad choice is the best thing you can do for them rather than just saying, well, they'll figure it out on their own and I don't want to disrupt their lives or you know, cause them any kind of hindrance. But there are times specifically where this is really, really important. And he says in regarding moral training and instruction. And again, one more word. The idea of what is a moral 
again, it's um, judgment of right and wrong, human action or character, teaching or exhibiting goodness or correctness of character and behavior, conforming to the standards of what is just and right. Okay? So that kind of gives us a basis for that. Let's read those first five ver- or six ver- uh, verses, two through six, five verses. <laughs> to learn wisdom and moral instruction, to discern wise counsel. One more point. In Hebrew poetry, often what they do is they'll make the statement and then they intensify it through a, a similar statement but slightly varied. And so in each of these, you're going to find kind of a couplet. You're going to find the initial statement, then you're going to find its emphasis. And so it's like declaring something, then saying again so that it really gets across. Okay. Verse 3, to receive moral instruction in skillful living with righteousness, justice, and equity. So putting those things together. To impart shrewdness to the morally naive. One of the benefits of reading is just to say, you know, if you don't know much, go to the Proverbs. A discerning plan for the young person. Verse 5. Let the wise also hear and gain instruction. Let the discerning acquire guidance. So he says it's not just for the young, it's not just for the naive, but it's for wise people to add to what they have. And then the last one is to discern the meanings of a proverb or parable or the sayings of the wise in their riddles. So in other words, it's to figure out the complexities of of wise speech. So just walking back through that, to learn moral instruction, to receive moral instruction on skillful living, to impart shrewdness to the morally naive, to instruct the wise, and to understand wise teachings from others. So that's, that's all what he's, in a sense, declaring. These are reasons to study the Proverbs. And then you have this verse that's kind of key to the whole Pursuit. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Um, now, this translation says it's slightly different, but bringing of a discernment, but fools despise wisdom and moral instruction. So he's drawing a contrast. And he's saying, if you really want to walk forward in wisdom, you're going to have to learn the fear of the Lord. Now, let's just walk through that just a bit, because fear to us is a thing that cripples and isolates and separates us from health, and and you kind of go, well, why would that be attached to our God? But obviously, their understanding is slightly different. In the Psalms, there are two ideas that carried out. One is that uh, fear of the Lord is an awe that comes from understanding of who he is and, and what he is doing. In other words, as creator and ruler of all things, and the one who controls destinies and history, it's good to get on the same page with him. If you can understand his plan and his motives and his directions, then you're not fighting the God of the universe. Makes sense, right? It's just one of those things that if, if you can develop an awe for who he is, that's a starting point for your life. But also in the Psalms it says, those who fear him lack nothing. So again, that's a contrast to fear as we understand it. It's saying... If you develop in this healthy fear of the Lord, you actually are adding to your life. Proverbs. It says, The beginning of wisdom is to fear the Lord and to acknowledge the Holy One is understanding. 
Because of me, your days will be many and your years will be added to your life. So as a general rule of thumb, you begin to understand what the Lord's ways are. You walk in those paths and he says it actually yields life for you. You know, a very simple illustration. Um, in our family, uh, there's a group that got heavy into alcohol and drugs for years. Several of them were dead by the time they were 35. Several of them spent many, many years in prison and died still what we consider young. And you're looking at that and saying, well, they walked a path that destroyed them. Now, do you live long just because you don't because uh, you don't get involved in heavy alcohol abuse? No, that's not true, but general rule of thumb, there's this promise of extended life if you live in a healthy fashion. That's the idea of this kind of thing. Um, going on, another thing regarding the fear of the Lord. The one who has fear of the Lord has strong confidence and it will be a refuge for his children. So he's saying there is a security involved in this reverence and awe of our God. There is a, a confidence that we can walk in knowing that we're at peace with the God of the universe who is overseeing our lives. And finally, a couple other verses. 15, 16 says, Better is little with the fear of the Lord than great wealth. So he's saying this knowledge of God, this walking in his way, is better even than wealth. He says the fear of the Lord provides wise instruction. So it's a starting off place for us. So it is the base of all true knowledge, fear of the Lord. Okay, verses 8 through 11 are the first passages that speak of mom and dad's advice. And uh, they, they, it makes a declaration in verses 8 and 9. It's like wearing fine jewelry. It can adorn you in a way that, that adds to your appearance. Um, yeah, it'd be a good time to crack a joke, but I'll move on. Anyway, the bling helps, right? Anyway, so this parent is going in, a, in their first teaching, their, their verses uh, 10 through 19, they say, don't yield or join with the wicked in their pursuits. It'll only yield disaster and death. That's the idea of it. So my child, if sinners try to entice you, don't consent. In other words, you have choices to make. There's an opportunity to walk with some others on a path that is unhealthy for you. And you say, do not get on that path. And it, it draws a different picture than what we're used to. It says, come with us. We'll wait and shed blood We'll ambush, ambush an innocent person capriciously. We'll swallow them alive. In other words, we'll misuse the innocent. We'll mistreat others for our own gain. He's saying, don't start walking down that path. He says, we'll make our, in 13 and 14, we'll seize all kinds of precious wealth. We'll make ourselves wealthy off of others. And this warning is coming from a parent saying, that's a bad choice. He says, my child, don't go down their way or their path. In other words, don't start making this a habit and a constant thing that you do. Don't get caught up with others that are walking in a way that 
continually preys on others. He says, this is dangerous. And finally, he says, it's futile to spread a net in plain sight of a bird. And we're going, okay, I guess that's a proverb too. Um, but the idea is, it's, it doesn't bear good fruit. It's not going to pay off. And finally, he says, those who do it ambush their own lives. They get caught in their own snares. He says, it takes away the life of those who obtain it. So that's, that's the advice coming from the parent. And then the last part of this chapter, Lady Wisdom Speaks. Remember, it was stated that there were four different poems that were told. Okay, this is from Lady Wisdom. Wisdom calls out in the street. She shouts loudly in the plazas. At the head of the noisy street, she calls in the entrance of the gates. In the city, she utters her words. So wisdom is making these declarations. How long will you simpletons love naivety? How long will mockers delight in mockery? Will fools hate knowledge? How long that you should respond to my rebuke? Then I would pour out my thoughts to you and I'd make my words known to you. So in other words... Wisdom is saying, you're not listening right now, but you need to. He says, however, I called, but you refused to listen. Because I stretched out my hand and no one was paying attention. This again, coming from Lady Wisdom. I called out, I reached out to you. You weren't having it. You neglected my advice. Didn't comply with my rebuke. So in other words, there's this thing of knowledge was trying to make its way into our hearts. There was this voice going, you need to do this. And you're going, I don't want to do that. This is what I want to do. And you're saying, that, that doesn't work. And then she says, I myself will laugh when disaster strikes you. I'll mock when dread comes, when distressing trouble comes on you. So again, wisdom is saying, you have this window to respond but when you don't, don't expect me to, to be all disappointed or upset over this. This is the way life works. Then they would call to me and I'll not answer. They hated moral knowledge. They did not choose the fear of the Lord. She's going, it's like this. You refuse to acknowledge God as the Lord of all creation you refuse to acknowledge that he over, gives oversight to all of his creation. And then you try to figure life out without him, and it doesn't work. You try to assemble your hierarchy of understanding, but starting on a false base, and, and you just, it never all quite fits together the way that you want it to. And Lady Wisdom is calling out and saying, well, duh. <laughs> you didn't respond. So why, why would you think that would work? They did not comply to my advice. They spurned all my rebuke. They will eat the fruit of their way. In other words, they get what they've sought, but it comes up disastrous. The waywardness of simpletons will kill them. The careless ease of fools will destroy them. But the one who listens to me will live in security and we'll be at ease from the dread of harm. So that's the first chapter. Let's do a summary. There are good reasons for studying the wisdom of Proverbs. Okay? Little p or big p, either way. 
True wisdom develops life skills. Some of you are sitting in classes and you're going, I see no earthly value for this. I'm sorry for you. Uh, it may be just the final thing is that you have a piece of paper and you completed something and that's a value. In that particular class, it may be that you will never use it again. I, I don't know. Hopefully, that isn't your experience. For those of us that have the paper, there were some of those classes. Deal with it. Um, <laughs> parenting done well trains children for life. Okay? So the goal isn't just to get information into them or just to open doors, but the idea is you have a, a responsibility in training for success in life. Wisdom won't force itself on a person, but will give great benefits when sought and embraced. Amen. Lord, we thank you for this scripture that speaks of life and the availability of wisdom to guide our steps. We pray that your fear would be a part of us in this awe of who you are and an understanding of your ways. And then we pray that you will make us wise in you. Amen. I'd like to hit just a couple things. It may be that uh, you're going, I know I've been living stupid, but I'm not sure how to get back on track. And uh, we'd like to pray with you. I believe that's available. Probably more subtle, though, is this thing of, Lord, would you show me where I've been living naive or foolish? You know, where I, I'm not listening, but I, in this moment, I open myself up. Would you speak something to me that I, I need to work on in you? And it, it's amazing when we do that, the things that come out. But uh, let's, let's take a moment of courage and let's do that. Lord, speak to our hearts in this moment. And for each one of us, speak to us what you would have us begin to change in you. Because it's available. It brings life. And pray for God's blessing on you. And then what remains is open-ended worship. We will need help next door, but we can get that done when we're done here. Okay? If you haven't been on Facebook to find what's over there, I encourage you. We have some incredible artists in this place that have put different things together in a variety of forms. Uh, we have uh, a lot of things being offered as far as we have skills, and then even like uh, the uh, Airbnb and uh, Dan doing a tattoo for an hour. Uh, promised to do the outline, you'll have to pay him for the rest. You know? <laughs> May your blessing rest on these your people. May they know the fullness of favor that you intend for their lives. May they discover with joy what it is to walk in your wisdom and the fear of the Lord. As each one goes into the community, I ask that you give them words of life to speak over others. I ask that you'll enable them to carry out the workings of your kingdom. Gift them with the supernatural. Be lifted up and exalted, our Lord, we pray. We love you this day. God bless you.